What's up, everybody? And on this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports, we discuss the NFL Hall of Fame induction ceremony with T.O. and the rest of the induction, uh, induction guys. We discuss the Cleveland Browns and uh, the Landry, I guess, uh, speech in the wide receiver room. We touch a little bit on uh, Major League Baseball and the, and the concerns for the Yankees. And we also even kind of dive into the playoff baseball a little bit. So... Make sure to tune in. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Guys Talking Sports. With me, I got my two homies. I got Al, I got E. What's good, fellas? I'm living a dream, drinking some water because it's hot and humid outside. But I'm still cool as the other side of the pillow. <laughs> dilly dilly. <laughs> um, I'm 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 hot, so I'm <laughs> not enough to I'm, hot. I'm just hot right now. You need a you need a cool glass of aqua or iced tea. <laughs> and I'm mad because I didn't get it before it got started, so I got bear the consequences of sweating a lot now. So as long as you got to- as long as you got your trusty towel. <laughs> no, but I think I will get that right now. I'm about to say the towel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas. So it's been another crazy, I wouldn't say it's too crazy, uh, of a sports week. Uh, NFL training camps are, 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 are out. Oh, reactions from the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. How you guys felt about T.O.'s separate induction and how you guys felt about the other inductees, you know, taking place in Canton. Uh, what did you think? Did you did you think T.O. was crazy for going out and do, doing what he did and then hosting it at University of T- in Tennessee, Chattanooga, and getting the turnout and saying what he said? Uh, what's your thoughts? Um, I... Didn't necessarily have a problem with it. I mean, since there's no rule stating as of yet, unless the Hall of Fame does decide to do that, which I think is a a complete knee-jerk reaction. But um, currently, as it stands, there is no rule saying that you have to be in attendance for the Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, they pick their people after the Super Bowl. He was picked. I mean, um, when you go in, they say you, you would get your jacket. They mailed it to him. I mean, there was, there's nothing in, a, in the rules or the laws that says that you have to physically be in attendance if you're living and healthy and can't make it there to actually show up and, at, and be right there and give your speech. Now, I think it that would have been the opportune time to have that kind of speech that he had at Chattanooga right there where you have all the Hall of Famers, you have the cameras, and you have all the sports writers who pick you know, who they want. Just like Michael Jordan, when he had his Hall of Fame speech, he basically, you know, thanked no one and took aim at everybody that ever slided him wrong going back to his, I guess, high school coach. So, I mean, he could have took the Jordan route and just used that time to just take shots at everybody. But, you know, he, you know, he did Chattanooga. I mean, that was T.O.'s decision. That was his choice. I mean, I know a lot of guys that heard from um, the Hall of Fame, some guys really had a problem with it. Some guys didn't. But, 
It was his decision. I mean, I heard his speech. So it was a pretty good speech. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard Ray Lewis. I hope they never, ever give anybody a wireless mic and say, go for broke again, because his speech turned out to be a sermon, which turned out to be, a, it was like a motivational speaker sitting up there that didn't, that was rambling for about half of his uh, acceptance speech. So, so uh, I'm thinking you didn't like it. <laughs> I mean, Ray Lewis talks and I didn't. You know, nothing surprised me. The length did, and I'm I'm surprised that actually let them let him do that. But his rambling motivation speech is nothing that anyone has not heard of or or, or bear witness to in the past. Yeah, he uh, he sweated through that jacket though. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, underwear, socks, probably. That that uh that jacket looked uh looked about as drenched as the the hats I used to wear. Back when we used to go partying back in uh, West Virginia, I soaked through the hats. Yes, we had to stop dripping off the brim. We there with that too. Oh wow, yeah, man, yeah, that was uh, I thought, I thought To, I thought To's speech was eloquent. Um, you know, it's interesting when he. When he decided to do his whole thing and he went out and made it public that he was going to go and do his own separate speech. And then he kind of did his little tours to the different talk show radios, the first takes, the undisputed, different areas, talking about why he's doing it. And I really never paid much attention to it, but the other day I listened to the one he did with uh, with Shannon Sharp and, uh, oh boy. Skip. Yeah, Skip Bayless. And Skip pretty much was trying to point out all his flaws and what I, I, I never really paid too much attention to, you know, a lot of things that was characterized about T.O. being that, you know, being I'm a 49er fan and had love for T.O. I never thought that his antics were too over the top. Um, but I mean, he's a diva, but be that as his may, he was a top flight wide receiver in his, and uh, at his era, or during his time when he played the ball, uh, played football, and was warranted in a sense, you know. And it made a lot of. I listened to a lot of different people say some things like, you know, you can't fault T.O. for doing what T.O. did when it was the media that was out there always chasing to see what T.O. did, you know, and then want to point the finger and say he's being a bad dude for doing what he's doing. But it's the media that showed up in his driveway when the Eagles sent him home. And he was doing push-ups and sit-ups in his driveway. He didn't ask for the media to come out there. You know what I'm saying? The media followed him. So, you know, if you're going to sit there, he put on a show. And a lot of people were saying that he was a distraction on and off the field, which I, you know, be that as it may. He could be all the distraction that you want, but if you want to sit there and play the Super Bowl with a broken leg and you had to sign off a medical waiver making yourself liable and not the team, so if something else happens to you, you know, you don't get paid or whatever, then who's who's the who's the bigger the bigger person? Who's the who's really that person as that that bad person? I mean, he just got a, such a bad rap. So after kind of listening to all of that and then his speech, I was like, you know what? Kudos to the uh, the TO for going out there and really just saying what he wanted to do on it, making it his special day his special moment, his way. And, you know, screw the media that thinks that, you know, he's out there trying to do something to 
draw attention to himself when all he ever was was just being himself. He never did anything outside of just what Terrell Owens ever did. So I thought that was, you know, what he did was kind of genuine. I thought it was really cool. Um, I didn't really catch much of the other speeches uh, just because I'm, I mean, I like football. I mean, granted, yes, it's, it's Hall of Fame speeches, but I, I ain't too hell-bent about sitting two or three hours in front of the TV listening to men speak. Now, mind you, I will sit there and two or three hours and sit there and watch the draft because I find that to be compelling because I, I follow college football. But, Which is even more boring. <laughs> but but you got a college – you have to follow college football to appreciate it. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you think college football, the draft is a lot more boring than the Hall of Fame speech? No, I think it's – the Hall of Fame is um, both are boring. The okay. Hall of Fame, I think, is much, much more boring than the draft. Okay, okay, okay. I just want to make sure I, there was clarification there. I'm sorry. Okay. But, but, not, but I mean, as far as if you're a college football fan like myself and you have a pretty good understanding of some of the players that are coming out, you don't know everybody, obviously, but you know some. Watching the draft is compelling because it's, it's a lot of twists and turns. But you know it is what it is. It's no different than college basketball or the NBA draft. Or I dance or know nothing about the MLB, Major League Baseball draft is no nothing. Hell, the people that sit there and cover the draft don't know half the damn thing that's going on because they coming and picking high school players and all this crap. There's no way in hell anybody can sit there and monitor all those type of people. So they that's just a whole different breed in itself. But. Overall, it was a it was a great Saturday. The football game was good on Thursday. It was nice to see RG three go out there and prove some of his haters wrong. Even though they're gonna turn around and say, "Well, he was he was playing against some future garbage men and some bakery bakery dudes in the grocery store." But be that as it may, the dude was pretty damn accurate when he was throwing the ball. He looked lively. He was mobile. Of course, he's not the RG three when he was electrifying for the Redskins, but he he had some nice mobility. And it was good to see that he put on a good show, um, showing that he still could possibly, uh, you know, I, I want to see how he does in the upcoming games as well, but he possibly still has a future as a quarterback in the, in the, in the NFL. So I thought that was really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to keep this short. Um, I thought I agree with what you said, Adrian, about T.O. I think that T.O. Um, basically is just being who he is. Um, a lot of people can't ex- is going to accept him. A lot of people is not going to accept him. But at the end of the day, it's just who he is. And you got to get to that point and understand that T.O. is just going to be T.O. It doesn't knock him. I mean, it doesn't take away how good of a, a, a wide receiver he was. Otherwise, he wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame to begin with. So I think that from a media standpoint, I think it's a lot of just talk um, as far as especially where he is at, at this stage right now. I think T.O. wanted to go out in a way that he felt it was special for him. And if that is, so be it. You know, you can't knock him for doing things differently. You know, nobody doesn't really have to be – have to do it the way everybody else does it. Um, it makes him a, a special person to do something differently. And I th- kudos to him for doing it and taking a different way, at a different approach to give a speech than what everybody else does. Um I also agree about the Ray Lewis thing with the trench jacket. Like, for a minute, I thought the speech was going to turn into a sermon as well. I was waiting for the organ and everything. I was waiting for people to start passing out the the, the, the collection plates and everything. I mean, it was getting to the point where it started rambling on to you get to that point where you're just like, are we really at a Hall of Fame speech or are we at a church? 
Like it was getting to that point. Like it's all about love, man. It's all and, about love. And, and, and that's fine. You know, it's fine. It's, it's fine. Um, I really didn't catch all the Hall of Fame speeches, but I thought that what also Randy Moss did in um, um, wearing the the tie with the names on it to support those who were, you know, victims of police brutality. I thought that was very special and very commendable for Randy to do that because, you know, you don't never want to forget those names. And he just made it clear what the reason of the kneeling was majority all about. So I think kudos to him as far as doing that and making a statement as well. Everybody's going to make their own statement in regards to how they feel about something. And as long as they do it the right way, I have no problem with it. And it's kudos to them for doing that and expressing themselves. Yeah, that that was, you know, when I saw the tie, I didn't catch exactly what it was at first until I saw a replay of it, and then they showed the names on there. So I thought that was, um, I thought that was very elegant, very classy, and um, and I, I I didn't hear it, but I heard that he explained what he did and why he did it. So he did get the point across, like you said, I was kind of reminding some people what the what the what the what the essence of the whole kneeling is, not what. Got made out to be, and still is being made out to be. But what it is, but um, but yeah, Ace, I agree. I mean, with with To, you know, it was almost like a love him or hate him. But he's a diva. A lot of wide receivers are divas. I mean, the biggest wide wide receiver diva is not Odell Beckham Jr. In my opinion is Antonio Brown. I mean, who the hell ah. training camp in goddamn helicopters? Warranted though. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> who comes? Who comes in a damn helicopter? With his son. With his son and all the media around. So, <laughs> I mean, he he's a diva. And a lot of our receivers are. So I mean, I saw To. I was around. He was around Philly when To came came here. You saw how he lit that city up. Not only did he lit that city up, he lit the whole damn division up. I mean. He had the whole damn division on fire for like what the next like three three seasons I, w- I want to say. Yep. Well, I was every year, but at least that first season when he was here, you couldn't say one bad word about him. I mean, he just brought that much energy and passion to the city. Even when he went to Dallas, it wasn't the same, but it was still that same kind of energy. And you know, he he craves attention at times. It backfires. I mean, he he has a very strong personality in the locker room and. You can either love or hate him, and sometimes it drives people mad. Like the sports media, they key in on it. You know, they put on because he makes he makes for good TV. He makes for good you know, stories. And I mean, what does you know ESPN and all the other shows want? They want good stories to sell, and To sold good stories for himself. And then they're going to come back to him and saying, "Well, he's a distractor. He was a team obliterator." I'm like, if one person can can completely wreck an entire team of 52 men, then your team was not that strong to begin with. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and that's what kills me. And football is like, football is a job. I mean, yeah, it's a camaraderie, it's a brotherhood, but still, it's a job. I can work with all three of you, and then when we go home, we ain't got to be friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't understand how – because some people don't like them. That don't mean that they won't work with them and they won't strive for greatness. But, you know, when you take the helmet off, you shower, and you head on, deuces. I want to hear from your ass till the next day. <laughs> That's my wide receiver, man. That's my wide receiver, man. That's my wide receiver. You made for good TV. Get your popcorn ready. Him and Chad Ocho Cinco. 
My uh-huh. man Chad. <laughs> but uh, but but I'll say this for um for Tio. I mean um, even though he was on the two teams I couldn't stand, the Eagles or or the Cowboys, when that when that man got on the field, regardless of what kind of issues he had, he never really had any sideline antics or anything. But when he got on that field, he brought it every game, every play. And can't and you won't you can't find a one NFL player that played with him or played against him that will argue um, argue against that. Not to me, not to me. DBs can say that because they always got beat. <laughs> which, which is why, rightfully so, in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> but I mean, do you do you do you still get his gripe though, where he believes he's a first ballot Hall of Fame versus like Randy Moss being a first ballot Hall of Fame? I agree because. <sighs> He, he had the numbers, to, 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 in my opinion, to be a first ballot Hall of Fame. When you're receiving yards or second only to Jerry Rice, Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah. And that's just one category that he's, like, number two in. So, I mean, um, to me, he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, Randy Moss was just, was just as explosive, if not more explosive, depending on the, the routes. Um, and he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think Teal's numbers are comparable. Um why not? I mean, you make Randy Moss the first ballot, T.O. should have been the first ballot. And I wonder if that's what really got stuck in his craw that Randy Moss got in on the first on the first go-round, and he did, and he knew he was getting punished because the sports writers couldn't do anything to him, you know, while he was playing, but the ones that didn't like him had the opportunity to take personal you know, gripes against him, and they used the Hall of Fame as, as a way of doing it. In my personal opinion, and I completely, and to be honest, I agree with what you were saying because I think that really was the end all be all. Like I think the writers was like, this would be a perfect way to get back at him, um, not to give it to him the first year, but you know, we'll we'll eventually give it to him because because he's definitely worthy of it. Um, he is definitely worthy of a first a first bout first time Hall of Fame, but I think that the writers were they definitely has a something um in some type of involvement in it to delay it so and i think my opinion they might have given it to him on the second go around but after he didn't get in the first go round he really i mean he really went on all the media circuits to complain about that and so it felt like they they you know took it out on him the second he was eligible but then when randy moss came in it's like wait a second you can't if you're going to make him a first battle you can't you cannot argue why to shouldn't be um shouldn't get in but didn't Randy Moss get a um, title? Get a ring? Nope. Mm, well, then, yeah, then I have no – yeah, then you're right. <laughs> hey, Stephen A. Smith put it out there in one of those episodes of First Take where he was saying that he truly believes that, like you said, Earl, um, the motivation of him doing his own his own thing as far as his speech had everything to do with the fact that Randy Moss – got in on the first ballot because you, you can't look at Randy Moss and say that he wasn't in his own right a diva, that he did things to, to rival, you know, to rile up the media. And he did a lot of crazy antics as well. Like the time when he pulled his pants down, the imitation of pulling his pants down so they can kiss his butt. And he did a lot of, a lot of things, you know, a lot of immature acts on the field. And, It's I, I I don't know if it was just because the sports writers took it as you know 
what goes on in the locker room is an extension of what's going on in the field and you're dividing locker rooms, blah, 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 blah. So when T.O. made mention of that in his speech, it's like, you know, you just, just got to call it fair. You know what I'm saying? If you're saying that it's by numbers, why are you including what's going on in the locker room or what I do in the driveway of my house that I'm staying in in Philadelphia because I got sent home for because him and Donovan was beefing. You know, I could talk about this for hours, but either way, it was a nice tea, it was a nice Hall of Fame induction weekend. NFL got their numbers the way they wanted to get them. Everybody's pissed off with Ray Lewis because of his his sermon and this went. And um, nice to see some some foosball back in action come tomorrow with the majority of the team starting to play some games tomorrow and throughout the weekend. So I'll be eager to sit there and see how the Niners do and. I'm sure, sure, E, you're looking forward to the Giants. And hell, I don't even know who the hell you root for. Right? <laughs> I'm all over the place. I'm all over the place. If knowing you, you probably want Brooklyn. Whoever, whoever is, uh, has a Brooklyn squad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. Now, I, I will say this, though, because I'm, I'm more in the metropolitan, in New York metropolitan area. I'm definitely in tune to see what the Giants and the Jets um, are doing. Um, so that'll be my focal point here this football season, if I watch it. Uh, unfortunately, um, I'm stuck listening to Ravens radio station, so I, I am curious to see how RG3 and Lamar Jackson do. Um, of course, you know, it's all about the Niners. And, uh, and I'm curious about the Jets, too, just because I always hated the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> so you finally admit it. Everybody was on the Giants. Everybody was on the Giants tonight. So I was like, you know what? I'm going with the Jets. I'm going with the Jets. They suck, but you know what? Jets need love too. Because <laughs> no hesitation whatsoever. No, I to be honest, I agree with you. That's why I, I'm more I'm more with the Jets than the Giants. Um, I'm more intrigued, I guess, with the Jets and the Giants at this time. Same here, same here. I'm curious to see if uh, Darnold is gonna gonna get that. Uh, that starting gig, but before we switch gears to baseball, I know everybody's caught snippets of the hard knocks, Cleveland Browns and Jarvis Landry and his uh, his uh, epic speech in the wide receiver uh, wide receiver room, talking about players are acting soft and not practicing because they they got some nicks and bruises, and he calls them all types of bees and mfs and MFBs and all that good, great stuff that, you know, I'm trying to be uh, PG-13 tonight. No I'm not trying to repeat everything he said, but it was quite quite entertaining. And, and because of what I saw, I truly believe that this is the type of – that type of mentality Cleveland was lacking for many, many years. Not to say they didn't have somebody vocal like that before. We, I mean, no, they I didn't. Don't know. No, they didn't. They didn't. But that, that right there, I think, is what's going to propel them – if everybody was giving them an opportunity to go win four or five games, I think they can win six to eight games just because of the fire that Landry's going to bring. And I think he's challenging all those wide receivers. And if they don't step up, they might ship out. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw a Bleacher Report. Um, Somebody already got shipped out. Oh, the cat that got caught with the weed? Yeah. Well, that's a dumbass. <laughs> oh, that was the cat from Florida. Um, he had a problem with weed, but well, he'll probably get picked up, you know, it's that or he'll just go play in Canada, wherever. But, um, but 
what's old what's old boy that was that's that kind of uh set himself to rehab. It's not rehab, but you know, he's just making sure he's in the right space. Oh, Josh Gordon. Did, did you see the what the, the little thing that he's his workout thing that he's doing? Why he's away? It's on Bleacher Report right now? No, yeah. I have not seen it. Dude. If he still got his he, he's like a he's like a his it's his, his physique is just like wow. <laughs> like that boy is ready. Like when he's ready, they come back. Man, if he if he puts up anything like he did back in twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen when he had that monster year, that wide receiver core in Cleveland is gonna be crazy. The problem was never what he can do. The problem is is his antics. Outside of that, that's always gonna be his. I mean, unless he get that together, it's gonna always be some type of issue going forward. Like it doesn't do anything if he gets suspended for something else that you know. That, you know, was I mean, all that workout and stuff would be for not if he's suspended for doing some some something dumb. So, yeah, I, uh, I always question the, the reasoning why they said he voluntarily took himself out and put himself back in, in rehab or took himself away from the team because I think it was a lot more to that story than what they said. So. I mean, but I, like you say, if he, if, he, if he can get back to that, his, his one year back in, what, 2014, now that is four years. So, I mean, whatever they get from Josh Gordon, I think, is going to be a plus. As of right now, if I was the Browns, I would just move on, and it looks like they're moving on as if he may not be there or if he's there, you're not going to rely totally on him. But – for as far as the speech with Josh Landry, I mean, sometimes you gotta, you know, light the fire under these guys, let them know it's got it's, it's a culture thing, it's a mindset, and um, this team has had a losing mindset, you know, for the last damn decade. I mean, right. so I mean, let's call a spade a spade. I mean, NFL's been doing everything they possibly can outside of awarding them the first round pick every year, you know, but um, it's you know. It's got to eventually click and turn around sometime, and we'll see how Baker Mayfield does, you know, Jarvis Landry, you know, and, you know, if they can get that team to improve, and I think they're probably going to win some more games this year. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go as high, high as six yet, but let's see how. Well, I mean, let's don't forget, they, was, they didn't win a game last season, so any, any win would be a big improvement. Uh, I'll say let's see how the preseason looks. Hopefully nobody gets hurt, um, and um, I don't know. I mean, I think I believe there'll be a much, a much more improved team than they have been over the last, you know, few years. Um, but you got to start at the core foundation. You got to, you got to light the fire under these guys. You got to let them know, hey, you know, you got to come in and ball. If you're not, you know, the cats, cats gonna have to get bounced. You need people that's gonna come in and you know, come in and put in the work every day. I agree with that. I agree with that. I mean, the Browns, like you said, is they're in every – like, if anything of an opportunity now, it presents itself for them. Like, everything is on reset mode. So, they really have nothing to lose and everything to gain off of this season because they was at their lowest last year. So, But they played tough last year, though. They're not like they were getting blown out. You yeah, know, they, so, they played a lot of close games. But the thing was is that they still have holes that needed to be filled. So now they got their holes, majority of the holes filled. 
So it's now just about execution. And we'll see whether or not they're able to execute. And if they're able to execute and close and close out the games, then, you know, it'll be a big improvement from where they was last year. Hey, I mean, they got, what, the, the, the first round and in, in the, in the fourth round picked in the draft. And it's like, all right, at some point, <laughs> she got to click. Yeah. I eat wolf, man. They they going to be all right, man. <laughs> they are going to be all right. I, I truly believe that with um, – Tavares, oh, I can't even think of it. Oh, man, names are just slipping me today. Uh, who they're going to plan to start a quarterback? Uh, Tyrod um, Taylor, right. He's a, he's a, he's an above-average quarterback in the NFL. He doesn't give you a lot of turnovers. He's, he's, uh, he's sort of like a poor man's uh, – wow, damn. <laughs> Russell poor, Wilson? No, I was going to say a poor man um, quarterback for Washington Redskins. Um, he Alex, was, Smith. Alex Smith, yes. He's like a poor man's Alex Smith. <laughs> because Alex Smith is very much, you know, meticulous with not turning the ball over. Uh, he gives you positive yards. He's he's mobile. Um, but I don't think he's on the level of Alex Smith. But, no, you know, Alex Smith took him almost 10 years before he, he really started to blossom as a quarterback. So, Tyrod Taylor is going to be a nice little bridge gap for Cleveland and will possibly build, uh, bring Cleveland a nice little uh, draft pick because I'm sure he's going to be tradable come the end of the season. Somebody's going to want him because I'm sure he's going to take Cleveland. And I, I, I truly believe that he's going to push them for six, between six to eight wins. I truly, truly believe it because they, they – I think they're really starting to get whipped into shape now, and I think, I think they they got the players in house they need to be successful. And I think Hugh Jackson, uh, I think that's the coach's name because names are really slipping me right now. Um, the head coach is really in a position where I think he's going to take off, and I'm glad that Cleveland stuck with him despite the the, the last two seasons being horrible. So. With that being said, moving on uh, to Major League Baseball. Uh, before we got started the podcast, I was being jumped because, you know, the Yankees weren't uh, performing too well. So, you know, these two jokers over here was uh, giving me all sorts of the business. So before, before you know, we really got into it, we decided to kind of hold off on some of the banter and bring it here to the podcast. So let me start off by saying, yes, the Yankees did get smoked by Boston. <laughs> the Yankees have been playing like trash since the All-Star game, <laughs> to put it bluntly. Um, the Yankees picked the wrong time to have their pitching be kind of horrible, but also not hit. Because Boston pretty much – Thumped them in that one game. I think they scored like 17 runs. Um, and then every eight other game. He runs in one inning. Right, right. And then the rest of the series was pretty close, you know, like 4-1, 4-3 victories for Boston. But the bats just weren't alive. And poor pitching and no hitting means losses. I don't, there's, no, there's just no way about that. Now you can see that they've left Boston. They, they're licking their wounds a little bit because they, they got sullied. They got beat up pretty bad. And um, now they're starting to take out some of their frustrations on 
whomever they're playing at the moment. The lowly White Sox. Right. So, you mean, the Yankees got thumped by the best team in baseball, but now they're taking care of business by beating up on the teams that they need to beat to try to keep themselves in somewhat a striking distance, at least, or ahead of other teams that are nipping at their tail in the wild card. And I know Al had made mention, you know, in the offseason that all of their offensive acquisitions and everything, the offensive firepower. But the bottom line was everybody knew that their pitching was suspect, to say the least. And it's obvious by them going out at the trade deadline getting two starting pitchers, not one, but two, because Sonny Gray is some trash. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know he's some trash when even he was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go to this bullpen because I'm some trash. (laughs) You know, and then you you get Jay Happ, he comes in and pitches a hell of a game. (laughs) Then this fool gets the hand, mouth, and toes disease. I'm like, what the hell is going on in New York, man? (laughs) (laughs) Well, they got to get these kids vaccinated up there or something, man. <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on? <laughs> Tell them why you're mad. <laughs> Tell them why you're mad. <laughs> you know what? I'm not even mad because the bottom line is I would have – I as much as it hates for me to see Boston whip up on Yankees, you know, because one of the most heated rivalries in all of the sport, I appreciated that it happened in the beginning of August. didn't happen in late October when it was really something, you know, on the line, possibly headed to the World Series. Because I would hate to be knocked out by Boston in the ALCS versus a four-game sweep in uh, in August. Because if they make it to the World Series and win, then you got to hear about, oh, how they dismantled the Yankees to get to to the World Series. And I can't stand that. I mean, it's not that. It's not that. <laughs> you know, so, so I'm ready here to take all your questions, fire away, Yankees got their ass whooped. Yes, I know. <laughs> jazzo, jazzo, jazzo. Out of stores. Jazzo, jazzo. <laughs> well, I was gonna actually, I was gonna say that um, you know I don't have any gripe against the Yankees. I'm not a. I don't have a baseball team per se, but you know because of from from you know the metropolitan area, I, I do uh, I, I do a kin or a line with with the Yankees. But um, I remember watching that first game of the, uh, the series with the Red Sox and. I think it was like this. I think it was like the second inning. I think it was or a third inning. It was like four one, and I was getting ready to text you, and I was like, "Okay, this 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 might be over already." And so I sat down there and I turned the channel, looking at something else. I came back, not even a half hour later, and it was nine. It was nine to four, and I'm like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> yeah. And it was like the wheels just like went off for like the whole week. <laughs> point. And um. Yeah, clearly, I mean, like you said, they lost to the best team in baseball right now. The Red Sox are playing unbelievably hot. Um, um, starting pitching is just, you know, for the Boston Red Sox is, is killer. Killed them that weekend. Um, the, the, the batting, I mean, the hitting, I don't, wanna, I don't know whether it was just a, a bad Yankees series or what the Red Sox were just that good. It might have been a combination of the yeah. two. But, um, um, yeah, I mean, the Yankees, they, you know, like I said, the, the rest of us gave them the business. And it's not out, still out of reach. I mean, like you said, it's it's beginning of August. You still have to, all of August. You still have all of, of um, September. Uh, September. I mean, um, so right now I think they said this is probably the, um, the lighter portion of the Yankees' uh, season. So it does give them a little bit of time to kind of, 
I won't say they're gonna they're not they're not gonna catch the Red Sox, but at least you know it gives enough time to build the confidence. Hopefully, um, you get um you get Aaron you know Judge back and he'll be you know back to form. Whatever's gonna happen with Gary Sanchez, hopefully they can get him back in back in playing rotation by the season. I guess what you want to do is you want to worry about the end of September when they got that three game series with the Red Sox to wrap things up because A, you want to play good going into end of September. Exactly. B, you don't want to be in a dogfight for the for that wild card spot with the Oakland A's and have the Red Sox, you know, your last three games because you're not sure whether the Red Sox are going to take the foot off the gas because they already got everything locked up or do they want to just put that knife into the Yankees and and really put them out their misery. So from the Yankees, there's a lot of time left um, to go. Still a lot of ground to be made up as far as trying to keep that wild card opposition. Think about it. Their record would be better than I think the majority of the, um, you know, the leaders in the um, – Actually, be better than all the teams in um, the National League. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's that says something. So, like I said, I mean, they're they're, they're probably not hitting the panic button yet because they don't got all their assets back into place. But if you get to like mid September and things are still looking suspect, <laughs> then yeah, I think they're really panic. But the starting pitching, yeah, that's yeah. Starting pitching is suspect. I mean, when CC Sabathia is giving you five, five and a third, or six innings of good, solid baseball, but your ace is struggling, uh, um, their their Asian pitcher is struggling. Sonny Gray is horrible. I mean, their pitchers are hurt. I mean, the, the Yankees pitching is just really hurting them right now. And of course, the bats went cold, and this is a, a a really horrible, horrible situation when the two of them are not going for you. You, you have no chance. Now, like you said, if the Yankees can be competitive, chip away, they're not going to win every game. But if, if as long as you win, when Boston loses, and you put yourself within five games late in September before you head into that final weekend series with Boston, things look a little bit more interesting then. You know, Boston can I mean, if it's five games, yes, Boston don't care because they're not going to catch them. But if it's three, three and a half games, anything is possible. So, you know, I like it's August. Holler at me in September if the Yankees are still playing like this and pretty much they're out of uh, postseason contention. Then – you can start pointing fingers at a lot of different people because it could, you don't have to label the season as a total bust. And the first finger is going to get pointed as your $100 million man recently signed. Well, you know what, though? <laughs> He's playing no differently than how um, A-Rod first came in in his first season. Because A-Rod didn't really get comfortable until like year two or year three playing for the Yankees. And then that's when he really exploded. And, you know, it was juicing and stuff, but <laughs> but then again, who wasn't juicing back then? So I mean, it's it's, it's, it's all fair. It's all fair. For uh, thinking about that though, just taking a moment just to Hall of Fame, A Rod. The boy was as about as bad as a, a juicer as one could be. The medium all hate the media and everybody hated him. 
but yet now he's a media darling. Like the media just loves this Joker. Like I can't, I, I just don't get it. Like how is it three years ago you was crucifying this man for doing whatever he did, but now is embracing him as like one of the best media people out there. I don't know. That's another conversation for another day. But I just thought that was just interesting. Uh, this is Dan. This popped in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, go, go Yankees! <laughs> I will say no, 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 no. Oh, you're not letting me off the hook. <laughs> no, I'm not letting you off the hook that easy. Um, because at the end of the day, the if the Yankees were, I'm only going to say this about the Yankees: if they were able to beat the teams that they were supposed to beat, then they wouldn't be in the position that they were in right now. They'd probably be in a better record or in a record equal to the Red Sox right now. Well, they were, but no, no, no. What I'm saying is, yeah, they were. But I'm saying if they would have beaten the teams that they were supposed to beat, they wasn't supposed to lose to those lower-tail teams. If they would beat the teams that they were supposed to have beaten, I think they would be in a better position and have, you know, more confidence knowing that they could be able to skate through the rest of the regular season. But there is some cause for concern, especially like what you said with the bullpen. So we'll see if that turns around. But they need to start beating the teams that they're supposed to beat. And, and, and they have. Uh, they've been beating up on Chicago here recently. Recently? Uh, yeah, like the past couple games. Yeah. yeah. They picked up a half game on Boston because they were off on Monday, and they won Monday, and they won yesterday, and I think they were winning today. Um, last I checked, they were up 6-2. to two. Giancarlo Stanton hit a, hit a grand salami. So it seems as though the bats are starting to wake up a little bit now that, you know, judge is deep into his, uh, his rehab trying to get his wrist back, um, which should make for as long as he could come back and be somewhat healthy, his body should feel good because he has some time off going down the home stretch. Just as long as he can continue to swing the bat, um, swing the bat. Well, I think the Yankees are going to be all right, but of course it's all contingent about pitching. If you don't got the pitching, then you got a problem. So, and pitching in the playoffs is what wins games. I don't care what kind of what kind of offense you have because you're going to be facing teams' aces, and that's it. <laughs> you're getting their best two or three pitchers, and if you can't hit them, then what's the point? All the offense in the world ain't going to propel you to the World Series or to a championship if you can't if you can't get the other team out. Well, yeah, we'll see. I mean, like I said, the, the schedule right now for the Yankees bodes well for them, um, you know, moving forward until like, you know, the rest of August and then September where they, they're playing a lot of teams under 500. So it should be able to, um, you know, keep them afloat in the, in the wild card spot. Might look good, might give them a false sense of reality, but um, like I said, I think, you know, if they can get Aaron Judge back and get him in, in the mix, um, you know, and they in the bats, you know, wake up or kind of play consistent. But like you said, it's just if you're going in there with your starting pitching a liability, you're gonna be rely you're gonna be more reliant on your batting and your bullpen to help you out. And the last couple of World Series champions pitching was what got them over the over the hump. Mm-hmm. No pitching means no winning. <laughs> no dinero. <laughs> Simple as that. And it was clear to see when the Yankees uh, played Houston, even though they played them the seven games in the ALCS last season, it was obvious that Houston had the better pitching. And if the Yankees had somewhat better pitching or more consistent pitching, then 
I still don't think they would have won the World Series, but they definitely would have got past uh, Houston. And I think at that point, Milwaukee. Milwaukee? No. Not Milwaukee. Whoever the hell, Chicago, whomever, probably would have won the World Series just because the Yankees pitching just wasn't there. So. But Houston's pitching was better. Than bottom oh, line. definitely, definitely. Bottom line. So it doesn't definitely. matter what the Yankees would have done. Houston pitching was better. Definitely. But but <laughs> no, considering, no considering what the Yankees did, taking them to seven. But it doesn't matter. It, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't matter doesn't. what they did. It truly doesn't. <laughs> it, it truly doesn't. doesn't but, you know, we'll, we'll see come playoff time what the Yankees will do. <laughs> No, we'll see what uh, the other teams is going to do as well. <laughs> All I'm saying is Boston better not hit a hit a dry spell come playoff time. Be, uh, they, they would have pick a pick a wrong time to start losing. Uh, well, fellas, seems as though we've come across our time. We always seem to to lose track of it a little bit because we're just having so much fun talking about things that just uh, make folks happy. And that's, you know, life of sports and that drama. So with that being said, where, where can folks uh, find you on uh, on that social media? Um, you get me up on um, Twitter or um, the gram, J-E-R-O-S-S-7. And you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter. I am Al Qualls. Again, I am Al Qualls. And you can find me on Twitter. At uh, CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. So, fellas, once again, it's always a pleasure to sit here and discuss what we believe is fascinating out there in the world of sports. Until next time, we wish everybody out there uh, a, a great rest of the week and look forward to uh, sharing our thoughts of all, you know, all things that's going on with the NFL preseason, with baseball drama of the NBA. So, good night. God bless. Good night. Later, farewell.